0: Welcome back, everyone, to a brand new episode of Screenplay Rewind. I'm Jeff. I'm
1: Ron. How's it been going, bud? It's going pretty good. Pretty good. I'm just Watched glad that more Wanda Vision. Yeah, I'm very
0: excited <laughs> to go uh, after the season's over and record that part two follow up for the second half of the season because that show's got fucking bonkers. Like <laughs>
1: it's
0: getting even more bonkers as it goes. Yes, and I love it. In the best ways. Um, But I'm just happy that Ron managed to stay awake long enough to record because we had this whole (laughs) plan with a couple of buddies of ours. Like, we're going to play PUBG last night. And uh, after WandaVision happened, Ron didn't happen because he was fucking asleep. (laughs) So that was fun. (laughs) Lots of text messages sent into the ether as you're just vegged out watching a six hour YouTube video. I feel so much better than
1: I have in the last week or so. It's
0: funny how humans require sleep. Who would have thunk it? Uh, for a lack of trying. Yeah, I feel you, dude.
1: I, I'm,
0: I'm not even 30 yet, and I already like have to get at least seven hours of sleep, or I'm just
1: a mess. I've got some bad news about the next five, six years ahead of you. Oh, God. <laughs> it gets worse. It gets worse. It gets worse. So today's
0: episode is going to be covering little movie called jojo rabbit which i am what it's happening it's actually happening yeah, it's like the infamous screenplay rewind episode it's like who would have thunk that we didn't want to talk about the uh, movie about the nazis as uh, insurrectionists were taking over the capital of the united states <laughs> uh <laughs> mm, it's hard a little left. hard left it's a little bit of a hot take at that point that we just wanted to like steer clear of <laughs> record scratch yeah exactly uh, on the TV and record scratch exactly but we're going to talk about it today and uh so I just watched it again today uh, it was the first time I had rewatched it um since uh, I think I watched it on like Amazon Video or something like a few months after it had already left theaters and then Ron watched it about a month ago when we were originally going to record it but Ron didn't get a chance because he was asleep uh, to rewatch the movie <laughs> <laughs> but as you'll hear in today's discussion and again, spoiler warning for all things Jojo Rabbit, please have watched the movie. Because uh, we're going to go into full uh, detail for the film. But it is a very memorable fucking movie, whether you liked it or hated it. So I think Ron <laughs> will be just fine. And on this note, I also want to take a, just a quick moment to talk about how uh, we're going to be changing the format of these episodes just a little bit to avoid three hour lockout. Part one and part two. Uh, <laughs> just because. Of all like, movies, by the way. I, uh. <laughs> I, I love talking movies, and Ron and I, if you just give us a microphone, we'll talk for fucking ever. But we found. As we've af- demonstrated. As we've demonstrated multiple times. Um, Unless it's something that is specifically like a, a requirement to talk about the play by play of the movie, is, as uh, far as something like Southbound, which is an anthology movie with like multiple segments, and it makes kind of sense to go into the detail of which story we're talking about. We are not. Outside of a very specific instance like that, going to go play by play through the entire movie like we have been doing because it's just it's not productive. Like we can talk about all the things we want to talk about without going with a play by play.
1: Yes, and you know the so southbound was going to be the example I bring up when you were done too because that's the perfect example of when we would need to do that.
0: Yes, we will still reference specific sequences and scenes from films to back our points, but we just will not be going like like step a through step b through step c like all the way from you know, a to z to, to complete the movie because especially if you are someone that you know we always give people a little bit of time in advance and if you have just watched the movie to follow on with the show you definitely don't need to play by play but i just yeah, wanted it's to, just
1: redundant at that point
0: exactly uh, i just wanted to make that a uh, quick note but yeah uh so uh joe rabbit is the movie uh from taika waititi Came out 2019. Uh, Taika Waititi is the director, and he wrote the screenplay. However, it is based off of a novel uh, called Caging Skies by Christine Lunans. Uh, I apologize. I'm not entirely sure how to pronounce it, the name, so I might have got it incorrect. But
1: so I'm Glad you apologize because I'm sure she listens. It's true. It's true.
0: She's the one fan. She's the one fan. She's the one. <laughs> but, uh, so this movie, to me, regardless if people love it or if they hate it, I think this is a very important movie to at least see. Because I think its themes are very relevant to today, as we saw on January 6th. And uh, Oh, boy. So, the thing about Jojo Rabbit, just to quickly uh, break down the plot. Okay, so, Jojo Rabbit circles around a 10-year-old boy in Nazi-occupied uh, occupied occupied Germany. You alright there, buddy? Sorry. Minor stroke. We're good. We're good. <laughs> Five minutes into the new format. Already broke it's your a, brain. It's, it's, a, it's already yeah. We got to go. Thanks to you uh, everyone for listening to <laughs> this episode of Screenplay Rewind. We will every
1: see you again. episode of Screenplay Rewind is the last
0: episode. Every episode. One of these days is going to be true. <laughs> <laughs> no, Jojo Rabbit circles around a ten-year-old uh, little German boy who is obsessed with Hitler, and the movie begins on his first day, uh, where he's basically being like indoctrinated officially into the Hitler Youth. Yes, and. The thing about this movie and why I really want to talk about it with Ron uh, on the show is I think this movie is incredibly important because it actually shows a lot of aspects of World War II that don't often get talked about. And the first time I watched this movie, the, f- the f- quote from a different film that always kept like ringing in the back of my mind is the one from the first Captain America movie by Abraham Erskine, Stanley Tucci's character. I was going to bring that up. Yeah. So his quote is, uh, so if, if anyone uh, just needs a refresher, Stanley Tucci played Abraham S. Erskine in the first Captain America movie. He is the scientist and creator of the super soldier serum. Uh, he was for, uh, born and you know, like raised in Germany. However, he defected after they were, you know, like just doing all these awful, awful things. And his quote in the movie that I always love, is like one of the most underrated MCU quotes to me. I just fucking love this quote. So, he said, so many people forget that the first country the Nazis invaded was their own. And you just watch in like all of these all of these movies, you know, like Saving Private Ryan, and like all these great World War II films, like that, that are just kind of depicting the Nazis at face value and, and Germany at face value. And people like forget, like it was a very small subset of the com- the country, you know,
1: like the it, vocal and radical minority. Really.
0: Yeah, it, they just were very good about brainwashing people and very good about like their subtle political maneuver- maneuvers to get in fucking control of the country. But it, not all of them were evil. But like there were plenty of people in Germany which were not Nazis were housing you know like uh, you know Jewish uh, people and other people that were being hunted down. Like it's not it wasn't just this this kind of black and white situation where oh the Nazis were from
1: Germany so therefore all the Germans are bad. Another uh, thing that comes to mind also is Valkyrie, where Nazis tried to assassinate Hitler. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That was based on a true story. I don't know how many people actually know that, No, that's based on a true story. So, uh, and I think the movie beautifully displays
0: this theme, which you don't see very often, uh, and it's first shown, the very first note I added when I was watching the film is how the opening song is the the German version of the Beatles I want to hold your hand because yes the Nazi regime like the leaders and especially Hitler himself they were rock stars like for the longest mm-hmm. time they were viewed as these like these idols like a lot of kids you know didn't they like obviously it could have been mandated uh, for Hitler to require you know posters of himself everywhere but a lot of kids would have done it anyway because he was a rock star to them the way that JoJo is obsessed with Hitler is the way a lot of little kids, especially, were. You know, he was this kind of hotshot dude who somehow just took over this fucking country and almost took over the fucking world. You know, it's just, it's kind of crazy. He had a real shot at doing it. He had yeah. a real shot at getting what he wanted. He really did. And uh, we're gonna get into more of like the specifics, but I also did find it interesting <laughs> I, I, when I was listening to the Beatles' uh, song the, "If I Want to Hold Your Hand." I was like, man, that really sounds like the fucking Beatles. I don't know if you were aware of this. Did you know yeah, that the, the Beatles them, were yeah. it was actually them because their their yeah. su- the subsect company of the record label <clears throat> said that they would have better record sales overseas if they made a German version. So like it's legitimately them. I had no idea that was actually them.
1: Yeah, it's actually them. There's actually quite a few songs that do that same that same thing. They'll either be in German or like in French. Mm-hmm. Um, and for the same reason, there's a lot of uh, bands that do not speak English that still re-record songs in English.
0: Yeah, uh, the movie also ends um, with David Bowie's "Heroes" just in the German version that I think he had recorded near like the, the time of like the uh, the Berlin Wall uh, being taken down. For quick an- aside, okay.
1: Can you imagine singing in another language? I, I was can get th- talking. I'm trying to imagine singing. Especially, so it would be one thing singing in another language if
0: the if song was a, in that language. Yeah. If it was actually constructed around working in that language. But like, I don't know how the fuck the Beatles make the song work so well because it's the, like the same rhythm in
1: German as yeah. it like that's really impressive to be. It sounds like it was originally meant to be German. It doesn't sound like a song that was translated. It's really well done, and it, it would be hard to do today, let alone in the fucking sixties and seventies. Like, kudos yeah, to them because that's crazy. Because there's, you know, learning to speak another language is one thing, because you learn to to speak it. Learning how to control rhythm and fuck even down to your breathing in the middle of the song and everything yeah. with how that all works in another language that is not your own. I don't understand. <laughs> yep, it's fucking nuts, dude. So anyways,
0: with so with uh, the movie opening up with this little kid, you know, on his first day uh, for the Hitler Youth, he is an absolute fanatic. Uh, Jojo is completely obsessed with Hitler. His entire room is nothing but Nazi memorabilia to the point his own mother is terrified of him. Yep. Because as you find out later, uh, Scarlett Johansson, who plays his mom, is is harboring a Jewish girl actually inside his house and is openly in rebellion against the Nazi regime and and just wants the war to end because she's a very good person and she she sees the damage it's doing not only on a grand scale but also just to the people cuz like I love that this movie takes the time to make it feel like these are real people like um Sam Rockwell's character. So once once Jojo goes to the the Hitler youth camp the person running it is Sam Rockwell uh <laughs> and the
1: best the one of the best things I've seen this year, by the way. What? Sam Rockwell running the Hitler Youth. I fucking lo- so he plays his name's uh, <laughs> Captain uh, Klinsendorf,
0: and they just called him they call him Captain K for the most part. Sam Rockwell is so fucking awesome in this movie. Dude. Oh my god, he is my favorite character by far. He's so fucking great. But what's really cool is you see just how openly like he talks about it, and especially in the performance, how jaded he is from the war and from their regime specifically because you later find out uh he's a closeted homosexual and obviously mm-hmm. if he were to come out you know he would be fucking immediately executed because of the nazi you know like their code and mm-hmm. uh so as jojo goes uh actually into the the little boot camp they have going where they're teaching them how to like throw grenades and everything um you know which does not go well i love that he ends <laughs> up calling jojo <laughs> hair uh he calls him hair <laughs> hand grenade at one point <laughs> I fucking loves sir uh, rockwell
1: I just love after that scene. By the way, he just looks at the rest of the class, points at JoJo, and goes, "Don't do that." After yeah, so he yeah he yeets a,
0: a hand grenade, trying to look all badass, and it bounces off a giant uh, tree directly back and it blows him up, and it really fucks him up. Uh, he has to go get like surgery, and he like his face is scarred up, his leg at first is like barely functioning, and he gets just really fucked up. And I, I'm glad you pointed that out, is because they have this like brutal moment where you see this ten year old kid just get blown up by a fucking hand grenade. And they end the scene on a joke because that's just Jojo Rabbit. And the thing about this movie is I think part of the reason some people are kind of like taken off guard by it. And it took me off guard a little bit at first is because the tone is very mixed. But I don't think that's by accident. Like it's not an accident that, that Jojo Rabbit is directed and written for the screenplay by Taika Waititi. Because this book that it's based off of is through the lens of a little kid. And mm-hmm. that type of mixed tone is exactly the type of tone that you would expect from something that's being viewed through the eyes of a child. Because I'm, especially you, Ron. You know, you have two. Are, are your kids four years old now? I th- I believe. Yes. Or... Yeah. Yes, like they, they are for for a kid, everything is fine until it's not, and that's mm-hmm. kind of how the tone is of this movie. Uh, you know, l- little kids don't have coping mechanisms. They're just happy until they're not. They don't really know how to process it, and I just think it's fascinating that, that like this movie exists and this book existed. To, you know, to to like really dive into the impact that like having somebody like the Nazis and Hitler in charge of a country can do to a little kid. It's 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 obvious that that it's causing damage on on a global scale because there's a world war in play. But just like to see the damage that it caused, it causes Jojo's family. He has a mm-hmm. huge. Um, you know, internal conflict going on not only with himself towards the end, but, like, with his mom. You know, his mom is just terrified to even have conversations with her son because of how brainwashed he is by the Nazis.
1: Yeah, basically, with the Hitler youth, like, you know, these kids were turning in their parents to the authorities. Yeah, without a second thought. Uh, without a second thought, because, uh, you know, they were indoctrinated by Adolf Hitler. So, you've got Jojo... 10-year-old kid in the Hitler youth and not only is his imaginary friend what a 10-year-old ima- would imagine Adolf Hitler is like when he's idolizing him uh but it's the thing that's interesting to me is also that the state Adolf Hitler is in reflects the state of Jojo's like psyche yeah he's like, like his, his mentality. he's like
0: his 10-year-old Nazi Hitler youth id essentially
1: yeah like as as JoJo starts to kind of unravel as the movie's going on, because, you know, he wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly believes in the Nazi movement because he's fucking 10 and this is what the adults are teaching him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Hitler is very, very firm in everything at the beginning. And as the movie goes on and he's starting to have, uh, you know, conflicts with his beliefs and. With uh, Elsa, I believe was her name, and Rosie, and all this stuff coming to a head. Adolf is getting more and more disheveled and getting more and more. Um, I'm I'm losing the word. I'm trying. I'm trying to think of. I keep trying to think of fanatical. That's not it. It's, uh, it's frantic. Almost, frantic yeah. is the word I'm looking for. He's very uh, off culture Fanatical. Uh, yes, uh, but he is very much a. Re- so not only is he what. He projects Adolf to be, but his own mental state is reflected by Adolf. It's a very interesting, like, it's a very interesting way to construct this character. Yeah, I
0: and uh, as I was talking about how, like, with Taika Waititi being, like, the perfect person for this movie, if you're going to bring forth a movie that is so specific uh, and through, like, rose-tinted glasses of a little kid, like, not only is his, like... Uh, his his acting kind of perfect because I love the way that Taika Waititi plays the ten year old Id Hitler. Like he, he's so <laughs> the way that he's always just kind of like reassuring to Jojo, and
1: uh, you know he's like, "Come on, give me a Hail Hitler." Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> come on, kid, give me, give me a hell.
1: Can Can I just point out? I'm looking through the quotes on uh on IMDb because I was looking for a specific Rosie quote, but just scrolling through here, do you know how long some of these quotes are? And they're just the hail Hitler, hail Hitler, hail Hitler, hail Hitler, Hitler, Hitler. Hitler, between like eight <laughs> characters over yeah. and over as they have to do it to each individual that person. Seed,
0: that seed when the, the Nazis <laughs> come to their With house. With the Gestapo. It, yeah, when the Gestapo dudes come in and they have to do the, they have to do three sets of hail Hitlers because three new people are introduced into the like the every conversation. It's fucking hysterical, dude. Every
1: like, time someone walks into the room, everybody has to stop what they're doing and I, hail Hitler to each other. And the, the editing is fucking <laughs> genius
0: because it, it does quick cuts back to every person just yeah. to like kind of amplify it. It's fucking genius, dude. And I'll, I'll talk it, it, more about the the editing in uh, some of like the gorgeous
1: very subtle cinematography in this movie it reminded me of johnny dangerously that no more nodding <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah for sure because i think someone even says like okay okay no more hailing hitler <laughs> like I...
0: <laughs> uh what's also super important while amazing. we're talking about it is like i love the fact and i think it's probably mostly rooted in the novel because obviously he he adapted it for the screen but in uh, with right. the screenplay and the novel I love that the kids actually come across as as legitimate kids. They're not yes. precocious little small adults. They are openly excited, and they have this childlike exuberance to them. Um, and even Taika Waititi does when he's playing Hitler. Uh, he he really portrays that that just exuberance to them that little kids have. And I just think it's wonderful that that this movie actually manages to make me by that i'm watching a movie through the eyes of a kid instead of a precocious little adult who just happens to be 12 years old or 10 years old you know along those lines like most kids in a movie are like most kids in a movie are either on like they're one of the adults. spectrum where they're like spoiled little shit and they're more of just like a stereotype of a little kid or they might as well be an adult because of how precocious they are and this this movie jojo just nails it like they are little kids especially
1: like the co- the conversations between jojo and his friend his best say friend Yorkie and jojo the best Example I can think of what you're talking about is at the beginning on their first day in the Hitler youth, when they're in that tent and they're having that conversation about like, aren't I your best friend? Like, no, you're my second best friend. And also Hitler is his first best friend. Um I would be happy if I was second because that's who you're, you know, in line after essentially. That's what Jojo's getting at. Right. Yeah. But and then, you know, just that, that whole conversation <laughs> is very much a conversation that two children would have. Whereas most of the time in a movie, like you said, children are portrayed as someone who doesn't have kids, what they think a kid is like, (laughs) who doesn't have much experience around a kid. Yeah. Um, So you end up with, you know, all of the stereotypes of kids. Mm Mm-hmm. But yeah that that conversation is the best example I can think of right Every every of
0: conversation movie. between Jojo and Yorkie is amazing. I I absolutely love their little bromance bro they the have. Like, Especially the Yorkie on. is so fucking funny. Like when he comes in later in the movie and he has his fucking cardboard uh, Hitler <laughs> youth costume, dude, it's so fucking
1: funny. I love yes. all their back and forth. Yeah, um, as their as the movie goes on, their conversations only get better and better. I, yeah, I absolutely adore them. And uh so
0: at this at this point in the movie, you know, you just kind of like start going through the motions of Jojo's internal conflict. I also so the kind of uh breaking point for the second act especially the movie uh is after Jojo has the accident with the, the frag grenade and he blows himself up. I think it's also really cool if you pay attention to how he's injured, uh it reflects his internal conflict. Because he is only scarred and only messed up on one half of his body, so it kind of like reflects how like two faced he is about how he's putting on a show about wanting to be, you know, all about Hitler all about the 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 party of the country and the Nazi movement and everything. But he's so internally conflicted about it because even before the the accident with the grenade happens, they have the the scene that gives him the nickname of Jojo Rabbit, where the not not Rockwell and. Theon Greyjoy, who I also think is pretty funny <laughs> in this small uh, amount of screen time he has in this movie, Alfie Allen. But um, the the kind of, like, early 20s, like, late teens that are kind of, like, running the little subsections of students in the Hitler youth, uh, you know, they, they make them, uh, they, they want Jojo to kill a rabbit for, you know, just to kind of show that they have that that kind of killer instinct in them, and he can't do it. He he tries to, you know, like, he sets the rabbit on the ground and tries to, you know, send it to freedom, you know, it's just... Mm-hmm. He he wants to be evil but he can't. He is not a Nazi. He's just pretending to be.
1: Yeah, he wants to buy into it but but he can't. Which he gets called out for by Elsa later because it's not about the Nazism or the beliefs. It's about being included. Yes. So after he has the accident he's no longer
0: allowed to be a standard uh member of the Hitler Youth. They kind of have him stationed running pamphlets uh actually back at one of the little like schools they have for the Hitler Youth that's not actually part of like the soldier academy. It's more of like a traditional academy. It's like it seems to be mostly uh little kids and they have the clones. Don't worry about the, that part, you know, they they have to have their clones. I don't know if you remember that scene, but yeah Uh, yeah you can walk the clones (laughs) and they just cut to like 15 little aryan kids (laughs) they're all identical and then they come back and never really talk about it again until they show them like at the very fucking end it's so funny uh
1: can we talk about how he got that job yeah go ahead yeah because i fucking love rosie walking him in and is this when clasendorf says well if it isn't hair hand grenade himself when they walk in, no, that's actually like at that. the pool
0: later when he calls him her hand grenade.
1: But Oh, right, yeah. right, at the pool. Um, but, anyways, yeah, Rosie brings him in. And so, because of something that happened in the field, he had been demoted to running Hitler Youth. And then, because of the hand grenade thing, he got demoted to this office. <laughs> yep. And then Rosie just walks up and knees him straight in the testicles. <laughs> yeah. And, and Rosie <laughs> is
0: uh, Scarlett Johansson, uh, who plays Joe's mom
1: she knees him right in the uh in the balls and then is like so uh yeah you're going to let him help out around here and he's like yep yep <laughs> and then he gives him the job of you know delivering pamphlets or getting scrap metal for the war effort and and all that but she yeah. just walks straight up and knees him in the balls can we just talk about how I'm, i fucking love Scarlett Johansson in this movie i think she's wonderful uh so- one of the notes that I have written down is that I think this is the best performance that Scarlett Johansson has ever given in anything. I could not agree more. I
0: think she's so wonderful, and she's so endearing to you. Immediately. I
1: usually find her to be very... I don't know the exact word I'm looking for, but it's like, you know, in a movie where she's a badass... She's trying to portray what she thinks a badass is, but not what really makes someone badass. Um, on that note, you know, do, you, do you do you like her as
0: Black Widow or do you not like her as Black Widow?
1: So Black Widow is the only time I feel like it really works for her because okay. of how ridiculous everything is, right? It, everything's based on a comic book, so it kind of fits in because everyone is like a larger-than-life character in a way. And there's a bunch of killer I think, robots.
0: I have a bow I have a bone arrow. None of this makes any sense.
1: <laughs> exactly. That exact Hawkeye line yeah. sums up perfectly what I'm trying to describe. So there it kind of fits in, but like in the island, um, she's kind of stiff because you know she's not being um like a very like naive character, she's Trying to make you believe she's a naive character, right? Like it's like she tries way too hard to accomplish whatever she's accomplishing. For Black Widow, I think she fits in. This is the most genuine I have ever seen. She's incredible in this movie. I think it's she is absolutely incredible. She got nominated for Best Supporting Actress too. I don't know if she won. So the
0: only the only uh, award they actually got from the Oscars for this was the
1: adapted screenplay for YTT. Okay, uh, um, but but very she's, much deserved that nomination probably deserved to win she's
0: so she's so incredible in this movie and she has to pull a lot of the emotional weight at first because initially oh, yeah. jo- initially your lead character Jojo Rabbit is not a likable character he's internally conflicted obviously but he's still putting on such a show and openly talks about uh, you know even at like later conversations he has with Scarjo at the dinner table you know about how he's upset with her about her political affiliations and everything and how she like how could you hate your country to the point where you want the war to end how could you not want germany to win like cuz that's kind of his mindset and we don't right. really get introduced to elsa until about like what like 30 or 40 minutes into the film like it's a little maybe bit maybe even but, a little longer than that like it's a, and she's one of the main characters too and and she's the whole point of the movie really
1: yeah and if you really if you boil it down everything that happens to jojo happens after the discovery of elsa yeah and that is the whole theme of the movie is what happens after he discovers elsa so yeah yeah it goes on and you know it's not time wasted you're establishing a lot of characters you're you're getting so like you mentioned And a lot of the criticism that I read about this movie is how shocking it is at first to you. Especially with the mixed tone, which is probably the thing that I like the least about it. Um, But how, you know, it's like it goes anywhere from Hot Shots to Schindler's List and back. See, uh, it's a yeah. real whiplash that, that see and, i i think that i think that's totally
0: fair however and i i think i had the same kind of reaction at first because this movie just is so all over the spectrum as far as just how yeah. intense it can be and how jokey it can be and like it wasn't until i really started thinking about how it's intentional because that is how a little kid is like i'm sure you see it every day yeah. with your kids they'll be running around your house everything will be perfectly fine and then all of all of a sudden it's like They just have an instant change in tone and they're freaking out or like super upset over seemingly nothing. And it's just like you think back to how you how you were as a kid, you know, like that's how life was. You're just Mm -hmm. like in a constant state of being happy until you're not. And I think this movie at first glance can really shock people with just how... Just like you, like you said, like
1: cinematic whiplash, essentially. But yeah, I don't think it's by accident. I don't think it's no, it's it's not. And like I said, it's not time wasted because they. Not only does that give you time to acclimate to it, but like all the characters, they they run so deep, right? So like Rosie on the surface seems to be just a lady that's you know dealing with the loss of her husband and her Nazi son. But it turns out she is actively trying to work against Germany's war effort. Yeah, you've got Jojo himself who starts out this little copy of Hitler that ends up being super conflicted. Like it's all very important. I mean, fuck, uh, was I never know how to say it? Klenzendorf. Klenzendorf uh, is Sam a Russell. super yeah. complex character. He just seems like a dick at the beginning. Uh, dude, but how funny! How funny is the scene lot. where he's like, "Can can somebody with two eyes do this?" And he does a little
0: display with the gun. It's so fucking funny. <laughs> I love every single scene and every line with Sam Rockwell is fucking gold, dude. They're all my favorite parts of the movie. It's so um, good
1: when he he drinks from his flask and he's just, "God help me." At the end of the speech, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So you know, it's not time <clears throat> wasted. They got to get the audience acclimated. You've got to get very used to these characters before all of a sudden in the second half of the movie everything starts getting mixed up and kind of flipped on its head and and turned topsy-turvy. And it does that to great effect, but I think a lot of the criticism it receives is it takes its sweet time to get there. I think it's necessary, otherwise you don't get the desired effect in the second half.
0: Yeah, yeah. uh, I can see
1: it, it has kind of turned off some people, which, by the way, I just want to point out, when I say it turned off some people, I mean just some people because this movie is beloved. It it got a uh, very the, wide yeah. acclaim.
0: If like uh, so this is just a callback to a former uh, podcast that me and Ron used to do, but we used to do every year, we would do our top 5s as far as I think we did top 5 movies and shows uh, and had them in like separate uh you know episodes this movie came out in 2019 if we had been doing that show this would have been in my top five i absolutely Mm -hmm. i I absolutely adore jojo um it's it's one of those movies where there's just so much fucking heart to it dude like the way that you get engrossed in some of these characters like like rosie and sam rockwell and and eventually even jojo you know like they they even make you like like and I usually hate little kids in movies. This is very atypical mm-hmm. for me. But this movie is just so good about the way that they flesh out its characters, like you had said, that I absolutely I fall for it hook, line, and sinker, like every time I watch it. And like the second time I had watched it, I knew everything that was going to happen, and it still, like, emotionally, you know, resonated with me. And I think that really shows quality with your character work when you can still You know, because like it works even without some of like, because like at first watch, there's a lot of like shock, like shock to it, like you had said. But when Mm -hmm. you remove that, and all you have left is the character development and the performances and the directing, I think this movie is really well put together and constructed.
1: So one of the things, speaking of Whiplash, I want to go back to Scarlett Johansson's performance real quick, because the scene that I have specifically written down is. The scene where they're at dinner. I think I know I think which one you're he, referring to. Yeah. I think he had just discovered Elsa. Uh, if I recall. And it's the scene where he ends up dancing with her, but she like impersonates his father because he wants to talk to his father. Yeah, he 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 gets very angry at her
0: because he's he's talking at the dinner table about how like I'm all alone, all I'm left with is is you who, you know, hates our country. I could be with dad. He was actually like you, you later find out he was also uh in the same kind of mindset as as ScarJo about how he was actually, you know, like a freedom fighter and not a, a German soldier the way that JoJo thinks he is. But wasn't
1: he like leaking information to the allies or something? They or don't really they,
0: they've only ever vaguely talk about his dad Uh, like that you find out that he was associated with kind of being like a freedom fighter in some regard, but they don't go into a lot of explicit detail about what he does. But
1: yeah, he's like, I'm stuck here with you. And then, and and yeah. Yeah, and she goes to the fireplace and wipes soot all over her face like a beard and puts on his jacket and just starts impersonating him. I was just like, the scene is dumb, but at the same time, it's kind of great. And like her performance through that whole thing, even when she walks over to the fireplace and she has a conversation
0: to to where she knows that JoJo can hear her talking and she has like a, a conversation back and forth between. Her kind of like she gets like a deeper voice as she tries to impersonate the voice of Jojo's dad and is talking. Well, you get forth. the
1: feeling that they had this conversation dozens of times. Mm-hmm. Right. That yeah. This was a thing that right because doesn't it doesn't happen right after she like, shouts at him and like slams the table with her hand. Yeah. She gets like right in his face and then screams at him and does the. Yeah. And then he gets like scared and freaked out. And then she has this reaction to it because she I mean, she's been drinking a little bit. There's she's she's constantly drinking she you can she's, she's obviously in
0: in a really bad way how she's just so stressed out from having to try to take care of you know the 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 girl that she is you know helping stay alive by keeping her hidden and also trying to deal with her 10 year uh, old son who she adores but who is just in this very very bad state right now
1: yeah and then she goes over to the fireplace and has the conversation that you mentioned like i yelled at the kid again so this is, you know, in the dad's voice. She never breaks. Her character never breaks character. She stays. She's dressed as the dad. She's acting as the dad. She has the reaction as the mom to Jojo being freaked out, but then reacts to it as the dad. And like, you just can imagine her and her husband having this conversation outside of Jojo's bedroom in a hallway. Like, this is not the first time this has happened. Yeah, I can, and I totally agree. like in this portrayal, she has turned into him for a moment. You know what I mean? Like it, it was a very real, kind of shocking thing. But then looking at it critically, you're just like, God damn, this is Scarlett Johansson. She's this because like I, <laughs>
0: she's obviously likable from the onset just by like what she does and just her like her uh, her line where after she's first brought Jojo back and he's like worried about going outside and getting attention because of his facial scars. And, oh, then yeah. she, and then she has that line that I love where she says something along the lines of, you know, be glad to get the attention. You know, I was cursed with being incredibly attractive <laughs> 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 and she's just so likable. and Her delivery is always so good. And I think part of the thing that you were kind of talking about, how you think she kind of works in, in as the Black Widow in, in the Marvel movies and works here. I think she is a byproduct of which director she's working with. Because if you look at, like, some of the great directors they've had, obviously working on the MCU movies she was in, you know, like, Favreau with Iron Man 2 and uh, mm-hmm. Joss Whedon and the Russo brothers and here with YTT, she seems to, like, really get the role uh, when she gets, like, a little bit of help from, like, a specific director who can probably give, uh, you know, like, very specific requests on what he's wanting out of the performance. You the, the performance you mentioned out of something like The Island, wasn't that directed by Michael Bay? Michael yep. Bay doesn't give a fuck about <laughs> character performance. So there was probably well, no directing to go off of at all.
1: She also stood out in that, though, because she was acting opposite Ewan McGregor. Who would get a
0: fucking Oscar nomination in my book for starring on a fucking, like, serial commercial. Like, Ewan McGregor, dude.
1: <laughs> so she, she was acting opposite him the entire movie, and it was just... You're just looking at her. Opposite two was of just them. Like, oh,
0: God. He was
1: playing two... There were two Ewan McGregors. Yeah. Like, two for the yeah. price of
0: one, bro. Like... <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's a tough That's a tough
0: challenge. One's an asshole your... and
1: one just wants bacon. Yeah. Exactly. But, yeah. Um, the two lines that I think happened back to back that her delivery on are fucking great is right after JoJo has told Rosie that he's been hearing his dead sister upstairs. And... She talks about how sad it is that he's going crazy, but then she's like, "But you've lost your mind." But it's sad for me though, because I have to live with a crazy person. <laughs> and then so she good. goes over and pulls out the bread, and then she starts going through all the drawers. She's like, "Where's all the goddamn knives?" Yeah. So, so, the, so the <laughs> the the big
0: story point uh, is so. Jojo is uh, kind of like just like looking around his house oh, after God, he starts so to hear like the noises. He figures out that Elsa, the the teenage Jewish girl, is being uh, kept hidden by Scarlett Johansson. But they get into this kind of like stalemate that uh, so Jojo is uh, afraid to tell ScarJo because Elsa tells him he's gonna she's gonna fucking kill him. Elsa doesn't want Jojo to tell his uh, mom that that he knows she's there because she knows that she'll more than likely be moved to a different location because Scarlett Johansson is terrified of what Jojo would do with that information. Mm -hmm. And it just becomes this kind of stalemate where Jojo knows for a very long time and starts like fishing for details and uh, is kind of like very slyly trying to get her the fuck out of the house without also endangering his mother and himself. So that's kind of like your kind of like your big plot, uh, thrust for the remainder of the film, and mm. uh, the performances I think between Elsa and Jojo are also very good. Uh, just like some of the and like more, uh, uh, more details to kind of like back up how we're talking about how this is something like a kid would say or a kid would do. Like the um the conversations that he has there about like what a a Jew is,
1: where- very great way. To show a kid trying to puzzle out a very adult conversation.
0: Yeah, because these these kids, these poor kids in the Hitler Youth, like the Jewish people, are made out like to be like they're like fucking werewolves. They're like mythical yeah. creatures to them because that's what they've been told. Because they've been told by the adults. Who else are they gonna like? They have nothing else to go off of. They're being. And I think brainwashed. it's early
1: on. Elsa has this great line, you know, referring to the Bible. Where she tells him there are no weak Jews. I'm descended from those who wrestle angels and kill giants. We were chosen by God, and you were Very chosen by a pathetic little. You were chosen by a pathetic little man who can't even grow a full mustache. So badass, dude! And she like fucking throws him across the room, too, dude. She's yes. she's feisty
0: with him, and he is terrified. And, and like the thing that like made me think of this these scenes is like you mentioned about how like they have the callback joke about how ScarJo can't ever find the knives, and it's because. <laughs> jojo i love the first time he goes after elsa he has his knife he loses it because she steals it from him he finds another knife in the kitchen for their second encounter and he also loses that in the middle of it and i love that at one point he has a fucking colander on his head like a helmet and a ladle and that's what he's going into battle against elsa with and it's such a great little kid thing they would do it is such a thing a kid would do
1: there's a moment where hitler was like for god's sake don't give her any more knives <laughs> and then later is when Rosie's like, Where's all the goddamn knives?
0: This script has so many fantastic callback jokes. Like, I know oh. Taika Waititi had to have been sitting on the script for years and years. Because, like, when you have this many referential moments, like later in the film, even not even talking about quotes, like I mentioned earlier, they have like the joke with the clones. And then in the final battle sequence, you see the clones. And they have yeah. another, like, everything is so layered and everything is so self-referential by the
1: end of the movie. It's just so well put together. Are and the I... clones supposed to be a Star Wars reference? Because he's a, he's a big Star Wars guy, and he's, he wrote and directed and uh, had uh, moments in Mandalorian sort of i, I think he really wrote i know he directed Fabre I, I, might have wrote, I think uh, he's written also those.
0: just making fun of the nazis because nazi cloning was a thing they tried like multiple multiple times
1: well they, I, was, I was just wondering because you know the empire is clearly supposed to be the nazis
0: yeah yeah you're not wrong it's it's kind of like a double entendre of a reference probably yeah. um because he is a big star wars fan and um <laughs> the clones
1: <laughs> we I need someone to time walk time the clones. Them, I see that scene in my head.
0: We need someone to walk the clones, and all of where, uh, oh god, uh, Rebel Wilson, Fraulein Rom, she slaps a fucking primed hand grenade to the back of one of the clones. It's like, here, run, go hug that American. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I, she's one that I typically don't even care for, but she's even pretty good in this. Yeah, she's really funny. Uh, like
0: that that earlier scene in the the very beginning when you're introduced to her and Sam Rockwell. And Rockwell is breaking out how the little boys are gonna learn like hand grenade throwing and trench digging and everything, and then they're talking about how the girls are gonna learn, uh, wound stitching and how to get pregnant. And she's like, "I have given eight children to the the, the party or something like that." It's just so funny. Yeah, it's great. She's yeah, she's she's wonderful. Uh, because she, because uh, Sam Rockwell and Alfie Allen uh, Finkel are in a relationship together. And are very uh, jaded, but Rebel Wilson's she's all fucking in, dude. She yes. buys all the stuff they're selling. <laughs> so uh, I just wanted to to uh, to talk about this as well, because uh, part of the reason I think this movie is also very important outside of you know like we talked about trying to actually show more about like the just how dangerous it can be for a little kid in this type of environment, which is how like how much of a you know like a thing of clay they are they can be molded. Is even if you take out uh like take outside the World War II aspect or take out like the little kid aspect, this just kind of shows like whether they're adults like uh like Rebel Wilson or little kids just how like dangerous role models can be. And mm-hmm. you you look at like just how brainwashed all the all the kids are that it's just it it just goes to show that I'm glad this movie exists to kind of display how dangerous someone like Hitler is in that type of you know like power play position where they they do so much damage not only on battlefields but also in, in you know in living rooms and in homes and it's just it's so damaging because like I know like uh, especially this was probably even more on your mind you know like with having two little kids that you see how fragile it is. Little mm-hmm. kids have nothing to go on but the the adults and the environment they're with. They emulate. They Yeah. They emu- It's like one of those things that like people talk about, you know, like, it's much easier to learn, you know, foreign languages when you're a little kid because you just kind of soak it up. When you become an adult, you know, you're more kind of, like, locked in your ways. You're no longer, like... Like, little kids are like a sponge. They just soak up their environment. Believe me. And... The just like the the devastating effect that Hitler has on JoJo at first like the, you know he's what he's he's obviously internally conflicted because he ends up being you know like a good person in the end but damn he wants to be evil he's all about wanting to be evil the whole time and
1: yeah he uh the thing that I was thinking about kind of on the same lines is you know with role models and stuff it doesn't even have to be that big. Of a of a personality of that big of a person like Hitler was in the age of social media and YouTube and Twitch and like you know TikTok and and all those services, uh, the definition of a role model has changed in the last decade or so, and the people that kids look up to has changed in that time, and it's no longer. Just the people that they see on TV, you know. Yeah, it could be a Twitter account that they follow. You're they're constantly a in a state
0: of 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 exposure. You know, you're, yeah. you you see just how many you know how how many followers that some of these people on like TikTok and Instagram and stuff like that have, and just like all, you know influencers, because con- like it was just think about how much brainwashing there was in in 1930s and 1940s Germany with Hitler and the Nazis. There was with no internet. Posters
1: and radio and there, limited TV.
0: They were able to brainwash and take over control of an entire fucking country using the fucking radio and pamphlets and those like little 15 minute previews they had in place of movies as propaganda. And now, like, every little kid, once they hit the, the age of five, has a tablet or has a cell mm-hmm. phone and has just a constant access to to role models, be them for the better or for the
1: worse. And. Yeah, this is this, an unprecedented age where like we don't know what that kind of unfettered access to everything and that interconnectivity between people can really can really do. There's it hasn't been going on that long, you know, since early to mid two thousands. And while that's been fifteen to twenty years in you know, in the big picture, the grand scheme of things, that's not a lot of data. Yeah. to go off of and, and to know how this affects people and I think we have seen how you know some of this stuff can affect people yeah um, and how it can radicalize people you know just very recently just just about a, a little over a month ago we yeah. saw some of it and Facebook
0: Facebook fa- Facebook could be the fucking destroyer of the universe dude <laughs> like
1: <laughs> an echo uh, yeah. chamber of just idiots dude just like and you know it's just it's just kind of terrifying uh to think about it's it's something that's kind of on my mind all the time with my kids yeah
0: it's on it's on my mind i don't even have any kids so i I can only imagine um (laughs) because the internet is shaping up to be potentially one of the worst things ever happened to human race you know
1: but at the same time it's the most powerful tool we have ever created that can do the most good out of everything we've created, but can also do all the bad. It's so fickle. Uh, it, it could very end up being the thing that destroys humans. It could
0: be the thing, you know, that saves them. Like, you just don't mm-hmm. know. Because we're in such an infant, like, early stage of it. Um, And, like, even outside of, like, the internet, like, something that made this movie connect with me very uh, personally, because I, I, too, was a little kid in the other youth. No, um... <laughs> no, um... It made me think a lot back to my own childhood, specifically with my parents, because um, this is like this is very like inside baseball just for me. But I come from a family where my mother is very religious and my dad is not. So like just looking back on my my childhood, my upbringing, I was being tugged in two directions because my dad was just obviously very agnostic about it, and he would let me go to church with my mom because he he's not religious, but he's you know it's just like whatever and mm-hmm. my mother is very it's, religious and so my not mother for it,
1: not against it
0: yeah and and my and like i don't think he was particularly thrilled with me going to church but it wasn't the type of thing where he like put his foot down it's like no he cannot and my yeah. mother was the type of person you know like she wanted to be in church with her every sunday morning and for the first 12 years or so of my life until i started to become like an older teenager i i bought into religion because that's what i was being taught to from my mom and because my dad wasn't really swaying me one way or the other you know and all I had to go on was me being raised by my mom and her values became my values. And as I look back as an adult, it's it's like parents are kind of like damned if they do and damned if they don't because like my mother was just imposing values on me that she holds dear. As an adult, though, in retrospect, I don't hold those same values dear. So I was basically kind of being like indoctrinated, you know, it's mm-hmm. it's it's just like the type of environment too, like with with Scarlett Johansson and Jojo she's trying her best and she's such a good mom oh my god she's so great with him like he's such a little shit and for her to still be able to just like rein him in like in that dinner sequence dude it's it's just wonderful and, and i obviously liked her from the get-go because of those earlier sequences like where she needs sam rockwell in the fucking balls like a badass <laughs> but that moment where she b- pulls out the chair so that he can stand on it and
1: dance with her is so fucking endearing i want to cry every time i watch it dude it's so good I think of that and I think of uh, when they're just kind of walking around and she's walking along the top of that wall and she's just kind of dancing along the wall. Yeah. And they make a uh, a very poignant uh, uh, point about her red shoes as she's dancing.
0: Yes. So let's, let's segue a little bit and talk about this point um, because this movie has some great cinematography to it. Uh, so the element of their shoes is very important both within the story and within the framing of the scenes uh, because... One of the things that Scarlett Johansson has to do for Jojo is tie his shoes.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Because he wants to be in in the fucking Nazi regime and take over the world, but he can't even tie his shoes because he's 10. And they're just kind of like exasperating at that point. Uh, And with the thing with the shoes, it's so cleverly done. um, Because the first time you are shown the close-up of her shoes is actually at the pool. They have multiple scenes where Jojo is uh, in, in the same room with her mom and her mom enters the frame or is either like elevated to the point to where he's head level with her shoes and they they have very distinct red and white shoes that she wears. The first mm-hmm. time being that they show them is at the, the pool where he goes to talk to Sam Rockwell about how to talk to a Jewish person or like what should he do if he finds one. And then the, the scene after that where they have the same kind of framing device of showing Jojo head level with their shoes is, is uh, when they're like near the park, like you said and they're and they're just kind of out, you know, just kind of chilling. Like, it seems like a, like a weekend afternoon. And that scene, dude, when he is walking through the town following the butterfly, which is another callback to the conversation that he has with, with Rosie earlier on about how love is having that pain in your stomach, you know, like, like mm-hmm. having butterflies in your stomach. And it's like a motif for the movie. And he's following this, this blue butterfly through the town. And he just continues chasing it and eventually he's kind of like like lower than the frame and then they bring the frame up with Jojo as he stands back up after he's been chasing his butterfly and you just see that she has been hanged by, by the state. And oh, it's, dude, I was devastated the first time I saw that. Which I, is also a callback
1: to earlier in the movie when they had people hanging in the public square and he said, what, what did they do? And she said what they could.
0: Yeah, which is and showing her how she's kind of in like the freedom fighter movement within Germany. Yes.
1: And, and now tr- she's hanging in the public square, but all you see again is him being basically eye level with those distinctive shoes.
0: Yeah. And he just, he grabs onto her feet. Cause that's all he, you know, he's just, he's just devastated. Oh my God. That scene. I, I didn't, I did not see this movie in the theater, but I have seen a lot of like tweets and reviews of people talking about this movie that apparently every single time there was an audience Watching this film in the theater, you would just hear 100 people just gasp all at the same time because it's just it's devastatingly done and it's so heartbreaking and so and so
1: gut wrenching. I want to say, if I recall, the scene just kind of stops. Like there's music and everything as he's chasing the the butterfly, and then I think he like he's bent down. Yeah, yeah. like like I was saying, like him. it raises the
0: frame with him as he stands back up. Yeah, to and show then the you shoes. see the
1: shoes and everything just stops. I and want to say just, the music cuts. Yeah, everything just stops. I think you're right. And I then he looks right silence. and sees sees his mom's shoes. Yeah,
0: it's 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 rough, dude. And uh the earlier sequence where she was. uh with him, and he sees the people that were hanged. You know, he tries to look away, and she she grabs his head and actually keeps him centered on it. You know, and she's trying to make a point of it. You know, like this is the people that you're obsessed with. You know, she's trying to like relate yeah. to him and get through to him so much that it's it's unfortunately not until she dies that he fully starts to like. because well, now he's, he's, been been, state, right? he's been betrayed by the state. He's been betrayed by the state, and what's also fucked up too is they didn't even have any evidence. Scarlett Johansson mm-hmm. was very careful. She never left any physical evidence. They just had suspicions about her based on her activity about, you know, she was outside of the house a lot, um, and they have uh, suspicions with Stephen Merchant, and the the, the Gestapo are also, like, both hilarious because of the Hill Hitler lines, and also, like, Stephen Merchant's a menacing motherfucker in this movie when he just towers over Rockwell. That sequence is great, where... They uh they have Elsa pretend to be a sister just because they know he'll eventually find her if they keep her hidden, you know. Mm-hmm.
1: And when Stephen Merchant uh, just steps she, across she the just room, kind of she just kind of did
0: that, right? Yes, it was not playing like Jojo freaks out too when he first sees her. Um, mm-hmm. that they, they were they were hi, uh, having her, you know, pretend to be the sister that had previously passed away. Um, Which, but yeah, uh, when Stephen Merchant it, just walks across the room and he's he's just towering over Walkwell and just like looks down at him like. Stephen Merchant's fucking scary in this movie, dude.
1: I want to talk about that scene because you legit don't know what Rockwell is going to do in that scene. And I had a question about... So I think that scene takes place before he finds his mother hanging in the square, right? Yes. And I got the feeling, thinking back on the movie, that Rockwell knew this before jojo did because jojo jojo um rockwell's basically not even supposed to be there right he comes up on his bicycle to jojo's residence and the gustapo like what are you doing here and -hmm. he's like oh just you know i was just in the neighborhood thought i'd help and he he makes a point he tries
0: to cover his ass by saying oh jojo works for us i was just dropping off uh, pamphlets
1: right yeah and but he basically shows up for no reason and gets called out on it and Kind of sticks around, and then you have that really nerve wracking scene where he's the quizzing tension, Elsa. dude. You can cut it with a knife as they're searching around the house. It's it really intense, and then he, uh, you know, he gives a, he just instantly correct and folds the, the papers up, starts to hand it back to her, and then uh, what was the Gestapo guy's name? The tall motherfucker, Stephen Merchant.
0: Uh, yeah, Stephen see, Merchant.
1: He uh, uh, they just call him Deerts. Yeah, um, but yeah. He, uh, you know, he's like wait, and everything stops, and you think he's going to look at the papers, but he doesn't. Um, but he, the reason I think he already knew about Scarjo is because the line he says when he leaves, when the scene is over, uh, he tells him to uh, to just look after his family. Yeah, and when he says it, he kind of cuts his eyes back to Elsa. And you know, at this point in the movie, JoJo has been asking him nonstop about Jews. And like now he suddenly knows why. Yep. Um uh, but he he leaves at that point and then that's when Elsa reveals that she got the birthday wrong and when he said she got it correct, so he covered for them.
0: Yeah, yeah. She she uh she tells him the first of May and Sam Rockwell mm-hmm. is looking at her identification and knows it's a lie, but covers for them.
1: Yeah, he says correct, and it was May 7th, I believe. Yep. And, but, you know, just the way he says to look after your family and then, like, the look he gives her, and, but, and he looks so solemn and sad and then leaves, and then it's like the following scene, he finds his mom hanging in the square, and the only thing I could think of why he's stopping by, why he's doing what he's doing, is he already knows something that JoJo doesn't, and that is his mom.
0: yeah. Hey, he was. All, and it's also a double entendre because he is just showing that, like, I know she's she's not your sister. You guys need to be more careful about this. Um,
1: and, and he's just, like, like the only one, doesn't he? Isn't he like the only one that knows his sister is dead, or something? Uh, doesn't he actually? So, know so that his uh,
0: dead? they don't they don't elaborate on it, but it seems like Sam Rockwell and Scarlett Johansson's characters are friends to a certain extent, at least mm-hmm. kind of like uh like they're aware of each other because like later on in the movie, you know. Sam Rockwell talks to 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 Joe and he he says, "Uh, you know, I'm so sorry to hear about your mother. You're know, like she was a legitimately good person. Like they 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 knew each other to a certain extent." Yeah. Um. So I want to talk about and just like the framing of the shots with the shoes and him being to like make, cause like what he's doing and it's really well done too, because you don't realize it until you go back to watch the movie that he not only set up the shoes framing with her walking across the brick wall, but also with the thing at the pool to like really subconsciously make that That reveal of her you know being and being dead and being hanged just like pop you know like it because there's a Mm -hmm. it's not only just that she dies that it makes you gasp it's also how they reveal it is just so expertly done it's it's um,
1: probably it's probably both but when they kept showing the red shoes over and over initially i thought they were just referencing schindler's list mm -hmm. and then uh you know that scene happens i'm like oh no i know what you were going for now i know i I know the imagery that you were trying to give me now but you know it's also probably both it probably they probably chose red because it stands out list yeah Yeah.
0: so uh there's a few other sequences that just have like amazing cinematography do you remember the sequence earlier on when jojo is walking around putting up the pamphlets and he swipes to like press down and like stick the pamphlet to the wall and every time he smears his hand across it he's smearing different faces with taika waititi's hitler it's a really cool scene if you don't remember it i don't Uh, remember that i'll have to youtube it to send you because like it's fucking awesome. He so he's like smearing his hand over the pamphlet, and like every time he he sw- swipes back and forth, it's like a different pissed off expression from Taika Waititi's Hitler. And then the very last one, as he has it stuck to the to the wall, is actual Hitler picture. It's really cool. I'll I'll try to find it and send it to you later. It's great. I wonder
1: if I even noticed.
0: <laughs> oh, you noticed it because <laughs> its just, it's just like angry Taika Waititi <laughs> faces like right in your fucking face. Uh, but um. The first scene when he is introduced to Elsa after he discovers her, and it's framed and directed like a horror movie, is really cool. Uh, the the like the way that she places her fingers like around the exit of her like f- fake little faux door, you know, like a mm-hmm. horror movie like creature would, and she like is advancing towards him like it's very a, The Ring. Yeah, if she's advancing towards him like a fucking villain
1: and creature in a horror movie, it, which. Uh, specifically like, Horror. she's very she's very samara was that I her name that's in her the name. ring i think that's her name yeah, yeah and she, it's it's very she's walking, or very
0: grudge and she's walking down the staircase towards him she's also like uh just kind of like creepily moving her fingers down the, the the banister like the the handrail
1: and well when you finally actually like see her for a body isn't her hair kind of over her like that too
0: oh yeah uh yeah because she's been living in the wall uh without yeah yeah there's one really great sequence later oh, on. Say quick giving our knives. <laughs> <laughs> I just think back to that fucking scene where he has he's holding the ladle <laughs> like it's a fucking katana, dude. It's so great. Fucking love this movie, dude. So later on in the movie, after Elsa and Jojo become friends, there's a very uh well-shot time-lapse sequence where they are circling around the, the room where they always hang out, and you see time passing, and you see them kind of like teleporting around the room to like different conversations they're having or like different drawings that they're doing and it's it's a great sequence I love and uh, just uh, one, one other really fun. so we, I want to go ahead and talk about the uh, the the third act of, of this movie that kind of like ramps up towards the end uh, so after Scarlett Johansson has been found dead and Jojo has been essentially just kind of and it's, it's really fucked up too it's like the state isn't even really aware that that JoJo's, uh, you know, quote unquote sister is living with with him. The state gave no fucks about killing his mom and leaving a ten year old stranded to defend for himself. That's just another yep. thing that's like a little tidbit that's just brutal yep. and just shows their 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 brutality towards their own citizens. You know, off of no evidence, they just had suspicions and they fucking killed her and orphaned a ten year old. You know,
1: yeah the the way by the way that. This movie is set up is very 1984, which is obviously based on a lot of this same stuff. But mm-hmm. a lot of the storytelling in this is also very, very 1984. Because in that book and in that movie, it is all seen through the eyes of a guy that doesn't really believe in all the propaganda and bullshit, but mm-hmm. he has to do it for fear of execution. Yeah. And, um the just the way the way things are laid out the way things are portrayed the way things go for Rosie the way things are for jojo it's all very much um what happens to um I have forgotten the war doctor's name, and I am so sad about that fact John hurt John hurt my god uh I had John I couldn't come up with hurt. Um but it's all very much what happens to John Hurt throughout that entire movie. Mhm. Um but yeah along with like cuz this in 1984 are the only two things i can think of where you see this kind of government, this kind of regime, this propaganda and like what it does to a person rather than what it does to the nation
0: yeah about yeah just, like the first country they invaded was their own that is like such exactly. an important element of it of and, and it goes by the like i think it's criminal sometimes how world war Two is taught in
1: schools to kids oh yeah absolutely the way that the way history just, in general
0: the the way that history for the most part for little kids is boiled down to just remembering dates and and just factoids instead of the impact of events in history like this like the, part of the reason you get to a point in like specifically American history where we are right now and just how fucked up we are right now is because of that. If you don't fully understand the past, the past will repeat itself for better or for yeah, the worse. You can't, you
1: can't learn from it.
0: You can't learn from it. And just the fact that like you have to have a movie like Jojo Rabbit or a novel like 1984 to delve into the psychological damage that political parties that are in just they just have raw amounts of power the amount of damage they can do to their own citizens as well as other countries that, that you have to get that through media is unex it's inexcusable to me like it's a travesty And I, I I really think the lack of kids being taught these types of situations without going in any detail other than the fact that like oh you need to remember what years world war Two ran from uh, like from the beginning and when it ended for a benchmark test like Go fuck yeah. yourself. That's not teaching a kid what they need to know at all. And uh, let's talk about the ending of the movie because uh, so Jojo and Elsa are just kind of like living day by day. Uh, you know, going, going to you know become you know more and more close to each other. And before
1: we go too deep into this, can we talk about right after he finds his mom hanging? The first act he does when he oh goes yeah go, home. yeah go ahead. Uh, because the first thing that he does now, this is where he kind of comes to a head with his core beliefs, um, everything that his mom has taught him, everything that the state has taught him, everything that, you know, he's 10, but everything that his common sense has taught him. All this stuff is coming to a head, and the moment it comes to a head is the first act that he does, ironically, is he's got a, he pulls out The same knife, the first one Elsa took from him, I believe. And he stabs Elsa right in the shoulder. Mm -hmm. And then, after doing that act, just kind of breaks down and collapses into the floor. And her entire reaction to this is to just console him. Like, he got it out of his system, right? By stabbing her.
0: And she can tell what happened just from his reaction.
1: Yes. And she he, came, she he came home alone and the way he's acting cuz you know he's he has been felt betrayed a little bit by his mom this entire time. The state betrayed him and he's focusing it all on the Jews, which the only one he has access to is Elsa, but he knows everything he knows about the Jews is wrong because of Elsa and it's like the only thing that he can think to do is he tries to finish what he initially set out to do and then that destroys him when he does it. Yeah. And he, just kind of collapses into a heap on the floor and Elsa's only reaction is to just console him and it's like it never happened but kind of did. Um the way she reacts. Right? She understands that like it's not her that he's that he's aiming for necessarily and it's like just stop and think about what that says about her character and everything that she's been through that this is not the worst thing that has happened to her
0: yeah and, and at that point you know like they have become closer friends and you know they, they she does realize that like for him to do that his mother had to have died that's because like she tells him multiple times you know like she because he's talking about how it's illegal for a nazi and a jew to be friends and she tells him multiple times you're not a nazi she knows what he is he's just a 10 year old kid who's been you know sold a bag of goods that's you know just to this horrible group of uh Power-hungry people that you know want nothing but additional power for
1: themselves. Mm-hmm.
0: And to with... me,
1: when not oh sorry, no, you go ahead, go ahead. Um, to me, you know, when you think of like the big climax or the way that like a movie resolves itself, like you know, Endgame had a massive Game of Thrones style battle between a bunch of superheroes and supervillains. Uh, you know, war movies usually end on some major battle that people. Uh, barely survive. To me, that was this moment. That was the the big climactic moment of the movie for me was him walking in and stabbing Elsa in the shoulder and then just kind of collapsing because this is the moment that he... Everything that has been conflicting has come to a head and is now clashing almost Game of Thrones style in his head.
0: Mm -hmm. I think it's after that moment too they actually change his wardrobe. I think at at that point on he's no longer wearing... The like the little the, yeah the little Hitler youth uniform that he always had, and yeah. uh, it's cool too how the 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 moments with Taika Waititi playing Hitler are actually paced throughout the movie, where he starts to see like there's that there's that great moment where she ties his shoes together next to the park you know and she, mm-hmm. she he steps up and trips. And it was cool too is like uh as he has tripped and you know they have that conversation about like what love means and what what uh you know like with the, the butterflies in your stomach, you see taika YTD is Hitler spying on them. So it's like even in that moment, it's like it's like a, it's like a metaphor for that part of JoJo's, you know, id he's always mm-hmm. thinking about it in the back of his mind, and he goes into conflict and like 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 the things with Hitler it's not just like they obviously use it for comedic purposes all throughout the movie the stuff with Taika Waititi himself as as that character but I think it's just really cool that they they show the degradation of his fanaticism for the Nazi party via his conversations with Taika Waititi maybe even more than Elsa you know like because that's him talking to himself like they have that moment where like he's he's not even like this isn't even happening fully in his head. He is literally speaking because Yorkie walks up after he has the opening sequence with the rabbit and he's like, who are you talking to? So he th- he's legitimately speaking when he's having these sequences. It's not just like a daydream, you know, he's like legitimately talking out loud to his imaginary friend, you know, and, and, and Hitler and... The scene towards the end, where Taiko and is the last moment they have with him, I love that little bit tidbit too, where he has the fucking bullet wound in the side of his head. <laughs> yes. that's fucking great. <laughs> and he has this whole exchange where uh, you know, uh, Waititi is trying to kind of like bring it back on board. The whole like, you know, help me, boy, help me, or whatever. Yeah. And his last line to him is fuck off, Hitler. And he kicks him out the fucking window like an Arnold Schwarzenegger moment. Like, it's fucking (laughs) awesome, dude. Because he goes fucking flying through that window, man. It's bad. And from that moment
1: on, JoJo is basically a little kid. Like, he's been betrayed by the state more so than he knows because he finds out from Yorkie. That, you know, Hitler had killed himself. Like, he took the easy way out. He started this whole mess, been telling them that they're winning the war... And then took the easy way out and left everyone to fend for themselves. Yep. It's like he's been betrayed in multiple ways by the state. And it just all culminates in the fuck off Hitler. I do want to point out, though, that we did brush over the fact that at one point, Hitler is eating the head of a unicorn that's been fried. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, because so it's, like, it's a double like, uh, sequence. Because earlier on in the movie, Taika Waititi exits the conversation with Jojo. By saying, "Oh, I have to go to a party. You know, like, We're serving like unicorn tonight," and then later on, like thirty minutes later in the movie, he has the callback of showing Jojo at the dinner table, and then cut over to Taika Waititi eating the fucking unicorn And He was like, "God damn it, dude!" Shit that just seems like a throwaway line is just set up for like a
1: great joke later on, and it's just like, "Mwah, yeah. love it." <laughs> but yeah, the, the one of the best things that they have done in the entire movie. Is Adolf Hitler with the bullet wound in his head. It's Dude, I saw that. I fucking died laughing.
0: It's it's <laughs> great. It's fantastic. Uh, so the ending of the movie uh, circles around the, uh, the Russians and Americans that are actually invading their city in Germany that, uh, that they're at. Do they ever actually say what city they're in? I just now thought about it. I don't think they ever actually say which city they're in.
1: I don't think they say specifically. I think it may be implied to be Berlin, but I don't think it is.
0: Yeah, just kind of it just kinda let because it just makes them seem more of like an everyman type of family if it, well, they kind of leave for, it big.
1: then for the Allies when they show up to have the Russians and the Americans and everybody there at once uh fighting, it just seems like it would be somewhere super important.
0: Yeah, that's a good point too. So uh JoJo meets back up with uh with Yorki in one of the funniest scenes of the movie where he's carrying the like the fucking rocket launcher and he <laughs> drops it to wave at Joe doing and it like blows up a fucking entire cafe.
1: <laughs> and he's just like, oh, God. Yeah. Um, that, that whole moment when the allies are invading the city and Rebel Wilson is just handing random weapons to kids. They're like, go get them. Go get that American. Like, yeah, here's, a knife, get American. here's a gun. Yeah. Here's a machine gun. She's sitting at all the fucking clones.
0: Uh she's yeah. armoring everybody. She walks out, she goes out with a fucking light machine gun. Yeah. And she's ostensibly going out shooting at a fucking tank. Cause as soon as she rounds the corner and like leaves the frame, you just hear like the fucking tank shot go off and just this giant like billowing puff of smoke come around the corner. She just got fucking melted by a tank, dude, and it's like Fuck. Dude. And then we get fucking Sam Rockwell. Yes. And Theon Greyjoy walking out in that their costume, fucking, dude. In their costume. I can't even put into words what they're <laughs> dressed as, dude. Because earlier on in the movie when Jojo was working uh, for their, their little, like, academy, uh, uh, Jojo finds them actually, like, designing, like, with like very crudely with, like, colored pencils. Uh, like, Sam Rockwell is drawing out these, like, very flamboyant looking crazy costumes. And you you just... Again... Take it as a one-off fucking joke, but no, he rides in the fucking battle. Him in uh, the Greyjoy, dude, yeah. in full fucking costume, and it's and they have this like epic music playing as he does <laughs> it. The epic music and the flag waving in the background, and I, I love too. Where at this point, Sam Rockwell just could not give a fuck who knows what about him. So he's he like is literally wearing eyeliner and mascara and everything and makeup because yeah. he just could not give. He's like this is like his moment to finally. Like, like release his inner demons, you know? And he just fucking goes for it, dude. And when JoJo sees him in that costume and Sam Rockwell just gives him this look, dude. And I just have, like, the biggest little kid smile on my face when I see that, because I fucking love Sam Rockwell. And I love (laughs) his performance in this character specifically, too. It's just so great. And... It's a great
1: character all around. I fucking love this character. My favorite bits from this movie... I love
0: pretty much everybody, but Rosie... And Captain K. Uh, Scarlett Johansson and and Rockwell just steal the movie for me. And fuck, they're great.
1: Both Iron Man 2 alums. This is true. This is true. Another great line. It just hit me that they're both in... I I realize they're both in Iron Man movies. It just hit me they're both from the same Iron Man movie. Yeah, Iron Man 2. He plays uh, Justin
0: Hammer. I think that was his name.
1: Yes, and I fucking love Justin Hammer. I'm sad we're never going to get him again. Yeah,
0: Sam Rockwell needs to be in more movies.
1: I, I need- want. This is a tangent, but I want the dude from the first Iron Man movie that got away with the drone designs. Who's clearly that's clearly a reference to the Spider Slayers. I want that guy and Justin Hammer to design the Spider Slayers. That'd be pretty dope. Yeah, because they have. Uh, he's got the have- he's got the the technology and the blueprints. Justin Hammer's got the resources
0: they've also referenced hammer
1: in uh, tangential
0: stuff too cuz i think in agents of shield yes. they at one point are like rounding up like hammer industries tech or something
1: like that i remember seeing and it I, at some I, point i think they mentioned it even in wandavision yeah, yeah
0: it wouldn't surprise me so uh in the third anyway. act as they're like <laughs> as as their city is getting invaded by the russians of the americans there's another great line where i think it might be in the same conversation where yorkie is telling Joe about how how Hitler had killed himself he says he's talking about how like the you know, like we might have been on the wrong side you know like the Americans and the Russians and like all these other countries are kind of grouped up against us and Yorkie says our only ally is the Japanese and just between you and me they don't look very Aryan <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that I died laughing hearing that oh, so thought, good. Dude, the the little buddy cop movie they have going with with Jojo <laughs> and Yorkie is this gold dude uh when he's uh, just kind of... They're rolling around like the little like... They're like little little kid wagons of the rolling around ammunition. Which in itself is like a little like microcosm of the film itself. You know, like the little kids using their yeah. little wagons to roll around major artillery for their like anti-aircraft like rocket launchers and shit. The little like the 10-year-old kids are wheeling it around and... Fuck, it's... uh It's great. So... The culmination of the, the relationship between Rockwell and Jojo uh, ends with uh, the German soldiers that are around the city being rounded up. And Jojo has been walking around after Rebel Wilson dressed them up in, a, in a, one of the jackets of the German soldiers. And she, as she's kind of like sending them off to go start attacking whoever the fuck you see, basically. Because Rebel Wilson's mm-hmm. fucking nuts in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> but Sam Rockwell is being rounded up. Jojo kind of catches up with him. And they have a moment while the the American soldiers are kind of like off in the distance a little bit uh, to have a conversation. And this is the moment we mentioned earlier about how Rockwell tells me, you "Know like I'm so sorry about
1: uh, to hear about your mother. You know like, she she was a legitimately good person." Is this after Jojo gets captured by the soldiers because he's in the Hitler Youth jacket? Rebel Wilson put him in. Yes. Yeah.
0: He's being rounded okay. up, kind of like in the same little detention area with them. With the uh, other Nazis. With with the other Nazi German soldiers. Yeah.
1: And I This scene this scene dude it,
0: it gets to you dude so jojo sits down next to him they have that kind of heart-to-heart about his mom and sam rockwell stands him up rips the german soldier jacket off of him
1: in one move by the collar <laughs> he just yanks it off of him and he starts
0: screaming at him calling him a filthy jew he spits at him and then throws him to the ground to get him away from the detention uh, area and to, starts save,
1: trying to kick him and stuff
0: to save jojo uh sam rockwell like just goes into he he starts acting very vicious towards him you know to, to make it seem like oh he's a filthy jew he starts calling all these like really nasty derogatory names to make it appear that he wasn't a german kid to save him and the last time that you see him he's getting dragged dragged away by the american soldiers around the corner he just smiles at jojo and he rounds the corner and then you hear the gunshots go off yeah oh it hurts my soul i love him so much man yeah He's such a great character and just for him to be able to not only really be true, be true about himself and like his sexuality, like, obviously with the way they were dressed and everything, but for him to also kind of his last act be this kind of like redemption arc because he's always, he's always been jaded about his position in the, in the, in the war and just in the Nazi army itself. You know, he's always been jaded about them demoting him multiple times and everything, but for him to be, be able to his final act be to save Jojo is is fantastic.
1: Yeah, he, uh, which is probably more of his true self, but he is an officer and things aren't going to end well for him anyway. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no, he's probably going to firing squad either way. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he, JoJo might as well get out of here. Yeah. His, his last act being,
0: and like, also, it's, it's cool in retrospect because, you know, like, R- Rosie was very aggressive with him, but when he, when she, uh, need him in the balls about, you know, like, she he almost, inadvertently led to Jojo getting killed and for him to be the one to save him in the end is it's great storytelling. Yeah. It's great character work all the way around. And, uh, the movie ends with, uh, Jojo going back after this moment. He's now, uh, he's able to go back home and kind of, at this point, you think he's going to go tell Elsa everything's okay, but he's so afraid of being alone. He goes and tells her the Americans lost and, you know, like Germany's won because he just doesn't want to be alone. He doesn't want her to leave. And, she, uh, he, Immediately he kind of regrets it. So he comes up, he tells her there's a, there's a little plan that I have to be able to get you out of here. And she walks outside with them and she sees this, uh, this like kind of little SUV Jeep thing drive by with American soldiers, you know, like brazenly displaying the American flag. And she turns around and slaps him for lying to her, which is, and he says, I probably deserve that because he, like, it is an <laughs> incredibly awful thing. Cause like for a moment there, she thinks she's going to be stuck in that, like that little fake room for forever, you know? Yeah. And then he immediately regrets it and lets her back outside. And then, like, just the moment after she slaps him and then the way that it ends with them uh, dancing uh, just puts a smile on my face.
1: Because people who are free dance.
0: Yeah, it's just always been... Because we didn't talk about it, but... uh... Scarlett Johansson is actually really close with Elsa, too, because after Jojo goes to sleep, she she actually hangs out in the wall space with her. Yeah, she goes into the wall space and she has conversations with Elsa because, you know, like uh, they're they're legitimately friends. And she talks about how Elsa reminded her of her daughter uh, that had passed away. Um, So they have a very, uh, you know, very special relationship about, you know, she's kind of like her literally not just a person she's saving by keeping her hidden. She's like an adoptive daughter to her. Mm-hmm. And the thing with the they talk about dancing too, just between those two, and obviously dancing was a, a very major theme for Scarlett Johansson's relationship well, with JoJo. And
1: there's even this uh, this heartbreaking moment where she's talking to Scarlett Johansson about what it even means to be a woman. Yeah, because
0: she's been like she's been locked
1: up. Because you got to remember, the Nazi stuff was happening well before the war started. Like yeah. this has been going on. For quite some time that she has been fearing for her life and in hiding and, and all kinds of stuff. And she has this heartbreaking conversation about her, like, what does it even mean to be a woman? Like, she she doesn't know she's been in hiding. She's basically just been a Jew and not, like, a human or yeah. uh, a woman Um, for quite some time. She doesn't even remember what it's like and yeah because they make a point
0: where she says that obviously she's been locked up in jojo's house for a long time but she meant she at one mm -hmm. point she talks about how she had she had moved like this is like her fifth stop of being hidden it was she was being passed around from like from home to home you know family to family and friend and friends so it was like from family members to family to friends of family to additional friends of those
1: friends and just whoever would take her in and uh since we've circled back to that fact there was a line I wanted to bring up earlier that we moved on and I didn't want to grind us to a halt like I am now talking about grinding us to a halt. Um, Well played. Where uh, we were talking about how Scarlett Johansson, you know, how Rosie is feeling about Jojo and uh, how she's afraid of Jojo and afraid of what you know, living under Hitler is doing to Jojo. And she had this great line that I can't find. And I didn't write down. I just wrote down the reference to the line. I didn't write down the line where Elsa asked her something about Jojo. And she's like, I know he's in there. Like, I know my son is still in there. It's just like getting through to him. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's exactly what ultimately happens more or less when she dies.
0: Yeah, uh, he he had already been kind of like heading that direction, but that was kind of, you know, the that's stralo- what
1: pushed him back into being Jojo and not yeah.
0: this little fucking Nazi kid. <laughs> little fuck- yeah, a little crazy fucking Nazi uh, fascist. <laughs> <laughs> so as they're dancing, and it's also really cool, too. I think earlier we talked about how uh, the movie opened with the German version of, uh, you know, I Want to Hold Your Hand by the Beatles, and it closes on the German version of Heroes by David Bowie, and that's the song they're dancing to. And the movie ends on a wonderful quote and a wonderful callback to earlier in the film. Um, one of the other things that Jojo does uh, when he starts to kind of like uh, fall for Elsa because uh, he starts to have a crush on her. It's like his first crush is uh, is Elsa. Uh, there's this running uh, theme of uh, Rainer Maria Rilke, uh, which is a, a German poet. And he was a favorite of Elsa's uh, uh, fiancé who had passed away and when they she talks to him about how like when he'd proposed he talked uh to her actually you know referencing and quoting one of his poems the movie actually ends on one of the uh, one of the quotes by Rilke and it says let everything happen to you beauty and terror just keep going no feeling is final and mm-hmm. at this point I'm just like fucking crying because <laughs> like this movie <laughs> just like hits me. I don't know like it's just a combination of the performances Uh, the writing, the way it's shot, the, I just get so invested in these characters by the end of it. And because I think part of it is too, just like it hits me on like a very personal level because especially now after rewatching, I know I'm, what I'm watching and having had the time to kind of like digest it in my brain over time, just how like, this is important for everyone. Everyone is a kid at some point. Everyone goes through those years of being so, uh, you know, like moldable into like whatever, your environment can kind of dictate and then just to end on this like very uplifting note of like you're going to deal with you know very hard things in life but there's also beauty as long as you just keep going and like Mm -hmm. fuck dude this movie just gets me this this it just hits me like right in my core every time i watch it and fuck i as soon as i as soon as i watched it and was just like because i i think i like i just teared up multiple times but just like as this quote came up and it's just such a beautiful quote like i'm just like crying Like every time, no matter how times I watch it, probably, and yeah, it just it gets me. Um, I so just real quickly, like, uh, did this movie kind of hit you maybe more now that you have had kids? Like, did you could you see yourself like uh, having like a different reaction to it? Is because like it hits me even as someone who doesn't have kids, and I can only imagine like because of how integral the dynamic between Jojo and Scarjo is.
1: You know, like, uh, do you think that kind of changed the way that you reacted to it at all? Before I had kids, like, my kids are my first and only interaction with kids, right? I don't have siblings. Um My friends that had siblings all had older siblings. So, like, I've never really been around kids. And if it weren't for the fact that I had kids, I would not have understand understood JoJo nearly as well as I do. Mm-hmm. Um, But, yeah, this... This movie, I blame part of I'm. I liked it. I am cooler on it than you, and I blame that on the marketing department because this was basically marketed as hotshots.
0: Yeah, and it I is can. Not I can that I, at all. I well, that's the thing is like the there are a lot of comedic aspects, and I think they are important just to not make the movie a slog. Because you and I always talk about how like no matter what your your subject matter is, you have to. Brighten it to some extent; otherwise, it's you have slog. to give
1: your audience a moment to breathe. Batman Ye- versus Superman, yeah, <laughs> like Batman this? versus Super- yeah, exactly. I-, I love
0: how that's always the fucking. Why would you say that name? What are you doing? <laughs> Yeah, I-, I, I honestly, like, I-, I, totally understand that 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 way of thinking behind it, um, because they, because it- obviously the jokes are much easier to sell in a ninety second trailer than the heartfelt story of the the hitler youth of the kid, Nazi kid. <laughs> who's about to have his fucking mother
1: hanged in the street you know what like you can't following in his into his first love with a jew like yeah it's like what is this movie because like i because
0: if you just put yourself in that position yeah I, I wouldn't know how to fucking put a trailer for this together either
1: you know and it's all but about, it, it yeah uh go ahead i was gonna say it's marketed as hot shots and it kind of starts that way with the, all the Hitler U stuff and the grenade and Sam Rockwell, and then it goes into this comedic lull. The movie's not in a lull, but comedic wise, that disappears for a good half hour. You, know, you have little lines here and there of like, you know, where's all the goddamn knives? But usually it it's like Whitey very... who's like the comedic
0: relief in those moments. Where they kind of like yeah, just bring it... him in every twenty minutes or so.
1: But when you start when you go into it expecting something to be more like Hot Shots. The Taika Waititi stuff is really out of place almost at first. You know what I'm saying? Because it's almost like there's two movies going on side by side. And it's, I don't know, it it was really odd to me. I got used to it as it went on. Um, Watching it again, I might like it better knowing what I'm getting into. Definitely watch it again. I would 100%
0: think everyone who's kind of lukewarm on this should watch it again. When you fully know what you're getting yourself
1: into. Yeah, but you know, just going into it, like it wasn't at all what I was expecting. Cause all I had to go off of was the trailers. I knew nothing about the source material. I knew nothing about, you know, the movie itself. Um, I hadn't read up on it or or anything. I hadn't read any reviews. I just knew the trailer. Yeah, and yeah, it was not what I thought it was going to be at all. And the thing that's interesting about the way that it's shot is. How do I say this? It's like a film festival movie that's not up its own ass. And I mean that in the best way. <laughs> you know what I mean? It 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 looks like it's shot like every film festival circuit movie I've ever seen. But film festival movies I typically roll my eyes at as hard as I can. Define
0: um, what you mean by like a film festival
1: movie. Oh boy, like um, you mean like an artsy uh, fartsy movie? Is that kind of like oh what yeah, you're getting Yeah, yeah, like okay. the the super super artsy movies. Like this is our craft. Like movies are cin- the, Not a movie, cinema. cinema. You know, like those those type movies is the way it's shot. It uses every trick in the book. The artsy fartsy movies use. Um, but it uses them to much greater effect, I think, because this movie, it's, it's interesting because it did debut at a film festival, but it, um, I don't know. It's, it's shot more down to earth than that. It knows what it is and it uses just about every film technique in the book to get that message across. But it's it's really well shot. It's it's used to great effect. Everything in this movie is used to great effect, but then combined with the movie and the way it was marketed, like I don't know, it just feels like there's. It, it almost feels like an identity crisis with it, the movie. But th-
0: that it's it's intentional because it's a ten year old kid. Like the the lead is of the movie is crisis. having an identity crisis, and like 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 we said earlier,
1: I I think it, people
0: it, I think. I would be very interested in hearing your thoughts once you do eventually watch this for a second time because I think you should mm-hmm. because at the very least you uh, you know you are able to latch on with the performances and with the characters because that's the thrust of the movie not the hotshots comedy like the heart right. and soul of the movie is the relationship with with uh, with Jojo and Elsa and you know with him and with his mom and Sam Rockwell you know like it's so fucking heartfelt dude like. The movie about the 10 year old kid with the imaginary Hitler friend is like one of the most <laughs> heartfelt movies that's touched me, uh, you know, like, over the last few years. And it's crazy to think about. And like, it is just an interesting, you know, like we could have an entire podcast about the expectations that a trailer can have for you.
1: And like, I think, I think I'm sometimes trailers, able dude. to,
0: I think partly, uh, partially just because of how how many more movies I watch than you, I can usually kind of like divorce myself from that way of thinking if i'm able to buy into like like in this instance like the characters so like when i'm watching this movie the the marketing is no longer in my mind i'm just getting sucked in based on the story and the characters i, I can kind of like just kind of if it's good well, part enough, of the reason I that care I enough s- about the characters i can let my i can let the marketing go and just kind of get wrapped up in the movie
1: yeah part of the reason why i have stopped watching trailers almost entirely is for reasons like this You know what I'm saying? Uh, Because, oh my god, trailers have gotten so bad in recent years.
0: Yeah. Ironically, one of the other ones is Thor Ragnarok (laughs) spoils half of the
1: movie and another Taiki Waititi movie. You know, like, so many great moments that would have been amazing. One of the best moments of the MCU and one of the best lines of the MCU is in that fucking trailer, and the movie is clearly written to hide it until that moment.
0: Yeah, that's frustrating, too, because I just, uh, coincidentally, I've been watching... MCU could you films imagine, again
1: could you imagine being anyone involved with the creation of the movie oh, anyone Taika Waititi had to
0: have been fucking livid about the way that this oh movie that movie was marketed um, I, I see that is the Thor Ragnarok stuff is inexcusable I can't personally rag on the marketing team for Jojo Rabbit because this is an unmarketable movie but they had to make <laughs> one because it's a movie yeah. like it's a 90 it's like a 20 million dollar movie you know like you have to market it because it has to be able to at least make its money back at the very least. So they were just kind of like putting a rock on a hard place. And, you know. And like, comedy sells. And comedy sells. And there is no way to sell the heartfelt nature of this movie in 90 seconds. Because like we talked about multiple times, it happens over the course of the film. And it's very slowly developed to make it more poignant when things happen to the characters, you know. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Thor Ragnarok's trailer, they never should have worked in Hollywood again. I think the marketing for this, they were just kind of fucked. I think they had nothing really to work with because it's just not a movie that you can sell in a ninety-second trailer. You know, you just have to watch it.
1: But yeah. But at the same time, the unfortunate thing is that is my first impression. That is the impression I'm going in with. Yeah. I yeah. Uh, please at some point
0: watch the film again because <laughs> I would like again. To hear...
1: I do like this movie. I, I'm I, just cooler on it than you are.
0: Yeah. Um. I I also just have a lot of, like personal connections with the 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 subject matter uh, that it really hits home with me. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think that's going to be... Uh, did you have anything else you want to touch on before we sign off?
1: I just had one thing of note that kind of, eh? Um, I, like, again, it's been a while since I've watched this movie, which I feel like I did pretty good. Um, but no, it's, it's been terrible. a while since I've watched this movie, so it's I This whole
0: episode is a disaster. We might as well just delete all the recordings. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and refreshed myself on you know, what What all had happened. And there's an entry on the Wikipedia page that grabbed my attention, and I had to look at all three of the footnotes to it because I was like, what now? Um, Wikiception. It drew mostly praise, especially for the performances, direction, screenplay, heart, visual style, musical score, and production values, but also some criticism for its comedic portrayal of Nazis. Note 14, note 15, note 16. (laughs) And I was like, okay, now this can go one of two ways for each one of these. Either fuck you for making fun of Nazis, or we should not be making fun of Nazis. To which I say, fuck Nazis. But I read all three of these articles that it was quoting. And it's, I shit you not, it's mostly apparently German critics did not like the way the Nazis were portrayed <laughs> in the movie. And I was like, "Excusez moi." <laughs> like, yeah, we uh, we we kind of weren't, you know,
0: totally on board with the Holocaust. So uh, maybe go fuck yourself.
1: <laughs> I was like, hold on. Is this the look you want to go for? Like you know, I I I'm not one of those people that you know German and Nazi is equivalent. It is by absolutely no means is that true. We've made that abundantly but, clear
0: because we was uh, we specifically praised this movie for showing the good people in Germany.
1: <laughs> yes, and you have German critics not happy with the portrayal. Now there were some critics that actually elaborated on this is a serious issue it should not be made light of, which I say, go fuck yourself. We all know it was a serious issue and we're dealing with the serious aspects of it you can do that through a comedic take you yeah. know what i mean like yeah. you can use that to soften the blow while also demonstrating how serious the issue was it cost him his fucking mother it case in it point you everything. you laugh
0: like all the way through this film and i cry multiple times through this film like they're not yeah. mutually exclusive
1: yeah it's not mutually exclusive which most of that was that but i gotta say according to these three articles <laughs> they were mostly german critics and that Yikes. gave me pause yeah that's a that's
0: a like that's a very peculiar hill to go and die on uh buds but uh that's 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 you you yeah. do you
1: yeah yeah that's fascinating i could not believe that's but yeah we have we have th- Anytime some very... you see the line but also criticism for its com- comedic portrayal of nazis <laughs> Yeah, that's that's yeah. that's bizarre. But yeah. I just, just wanted to talk about that.
0: Yeah. Uh at at the very least, obviously, you know, if everyone had the same opinion on a on a film, you know, the world would be a lot more of a boring place. But this is important to watch just to like we talked about earlier, to get that kind of like ground level look and really just kind of humanize the people in Germany, you know, like that were not a part of the Nazis and were invaded and fucking being brainwashed. And it's it's just this terrible thing that like we talked about, like the way that it's just never really addressed in public schools is a fucking travesty. And I just, I think it's, I think it's a very important movie, whether it fully works with someone who watches it or not. You know, just just that they're exposed to the subject matter and and, and the theming it, of it is important to me.
1: And as we alluded to, especially in today's current political climate here in America, and you know, some things that we knew, some things that have come to light, some things that were worse than we thought like it all kind of boils back to the core message of this film yeah this film couldn't have come out at a more perfect time a more perfect time unless it was released on january 6th (laughs) right man that would have
0: been awkward (laughs) (laughs) hitting hbo max on january 7th the day after that happened is jojo rabbit (laughs) nazis friday Um, friday friday right Uh, yeah so yeah, at the very least, I'm happy you were able to, uh, even though it didn't fully hit with you like it did with me. At least that uh, you were able to kind of like latch onto the performances, because like man, at, at, like everyone's great, but Scarlett Johansson and Sam Rockwell alone make this movie worth watching, in my opinion.
1: Absolutely, Scarlett blew me away in this movie because I know. I didn't know she had it in her.
0: I have always been kind of indifferent about her. I've always liked liked her and never really had anything against her, but she is I bet you liked her sailor. <laughs> she's she's absolutely incredible in this. Uh yeah, it's 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 a fantastic performance. But yeah, if you would like to check us out more, please be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast with reviews or ratings on whichever platform you find us on. We're all over the place. You kinda wherever your podcast can be found. If you'd like to follow us on Twitter for show updates, uh, you can follow us at SPR Filmcast. Ron, where can people find you when you're not discussing insurrections of the Capitol on January 6th?
1: I am on YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch every Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. Sunday, evening. Sunday, Sunday. <laughs> right? Um, at Ron Sense TV,
0: You can find me at G Miller SPR because I don't like to spell out Jeff G E O F F every time. <laughs> <laughs> I have done that enough in my life. Okay. Uh,
1: Go ahead, sir. I was going to say, we've got uh, some interesting programming notes coming up.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, So, is the very next episode the beginning of Friends and Family Month? I I
1: believe it is, sir.
0: Okay, so let's go ahead and talk about that real quick. So, we are not picking the films for the entire next month of the show, and we are also having double the episodes. So, what we've decided to do is um, we are letting some of our friends and family actually pick a movie for us that we have to watch and review Whether we want to or not. (laughs) (laughs) And we have three of them that are locked in. One of them still being decided, the last one. Um, But yeah, uh, we should go ahead and talk about the first movie, which is actually being requested uh, by one of the super awesome people in uh, Ron's Switch community. Phoenix Waddell is her name. Uh, And she has uh, requested us to cover and watch Into the Woods, which is, I believe, a Disney musical.
1: It is. It was on my list back when uh, I was still watching trailers, and I never got around to watching it.
0: Yeah, uh, I am typically not a big musical person outside of stuff like Hamilton, which, uh, like I really uh, connected with Hamilton. But most of the time, I I don't go out of my way to watch musicals. But this one was actually on my radar as well, just because the cast, the cast of Into the Woods, is like fucking bonkers. Go IMDb that shit.
1: Yeah, it's. Uh it's absolutely insane yep so i uh since we're gonna be uh
0: rolling these out they're probably gonna be a little bit shorter episodes think our Woman sure. 84 episode which i think was about an hour uh so we won't go in quite as much detail because we will be having four total episodes but we will be talking about them uh because we want to have a little bit more you know like a interconnectivity with the uh, friends and family you know they're actually checking out the show so uh, I will go ahead and give out the next movie, too, uh, that's being talked about, just because we usually give about two weeks of a heads up if you want to follow along. The second movie is requested by my buddy, uh, his online handle is Lazy Ghost. Dragon Ball Evolution, because he wants me to want to kill myself. <laughs> uh, yeah. I own
1: this movie.
0: Yeah. that's That's a choice. <laughs> but we will find out my thoughts in a couple of weeks once we get around to watching that. So yeah. First up, Into the Woods. Next up, Dragon Ball Evolution. And we'll be finishing up the month with two more choices that we will reveal later on. So thank you for listening. And we will see you next time.